Here at She's in the Game, we acknowledge that this episode is recorded in the lands of the Bunurong people and pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging, and extend that respect to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people listening with us today. Hello and welcome everyone back to She's in the Game. We are mid-WBBL, the, the Thunder are underway with four games so far and I've managed to snag our skipper in the middle of the campaign, first trip on the road, um, also the captain of the England women's cricket team. Now, middle of the campaign, first time on the road, how are you feeling back in Thunder Colours? Yeah, really good. It's, it's been nice to be back. Obviously, it was due to come back last year, but picked up a, an injury, had hip surgery, and it's nice, yeah, really good to be back amongst the girls. I think I wasn't probably expecting to be captain, actually. Um, I probably um, haven't, well, I haven't captained franchise cricket since before I was England captain. I kind of made a bit of a rule um, not to do that, but Lisa bent my rubber arm slightly and I started to get excited about it. Obviously, I know you guys pretty well um, and I've been watching from afar the last few years, so I was pretty pumped to come back. And opportunity to captain as well, I've actually really enjoyed it. Um, always trying to learn and and grow and um, we've started really nicely. It's, it's been good fun uh, to be back in green with a few wins. We've all loved having you back in, especially in that skipper role. And yeah, it's it's funny that you say you actually made yourself a bit of a commitment, but um, we're glad you've broken that rule to come back. Um, probably myself especially, glad that you've um, been able to do that. But take us back to sort of the early days. Heather as a kid growing up um, in England, uh, a sporting mad nation around football. I know you you fancy a bit of your football, but how did you manage to get into cricket? Well, I played a lot of football as well, so uh, I was on the Plymouth Argyle Academy, the girls' academy, uh, and I love football more, more than I love cricket. But um, as most of you listeners probably know, I'm not very quick, so uh, football was never really the one for me. Um, but I got, I got into cricket when I was about eight, my older brother, Steve, uh, we just played in the back garden. Um, I was used to bat because whenever I bowled, uh, Steve whacked me over the fence and we lost the ball, so the game was was finished. Um, so yeah, just went on to my local cricket club, Bloomsdale Cricket Club. Big shout out for those guys. And just played with the boys. I was often the only girl in the team. I just loved being around the cricket club, loved going down there, practicing, hanging out in the clubhouse, scoring for the first team, eating the teas. Um, and yeah, just had a love for the, the kind of social side of the game as well, and the different types of people you met. Um, and then kind of worked my way into the women's set when I was a bit older. You mentioned your maybe lack of speed. Uh, our previous guest on the podcast was Charlotte Evans, um, well known for maybe a bit of lack of speed as well. Is I think there's a famous, probably not famous, but a, a video of her and Elise Villani. Yeah, I was there uh, running. Do you reckon you'd be able to taper on Lottie? You surely. Oh, I hope so. These days, so my hamstrings are a pretty, pretty bad state, but um, I, I still think I've got a yard on Lottie. Yeah, for. we'll try and find that video and get it up. And this isn't an invitation to race, Lottie. <laughs> <laughs> Next Sydney smash. We oh, well, I see. It's back end of the season, though, so... Yeah, if I race Mado, it would be trouble, so we can make sure that doesn't happen. Um, but in terms of the way your cricket journey started, obviously Charlotte Edwards was the captain of England when you, you came into the side and you sort of made that debut back in 20, 2010. Um, did you expect you'd ever captain your country in that moment? No, not really. Like, I'd had a few captaincy experiences, like uh, school boys team, we just captain them, um, and a couple of club experiences, but no, starting out I just wanted to play and just wanted to, to be around the England setup. Um, I was 19 when I made my, my debut, I was still at university, very much semi-professional, 
back then um, I just wanted to establish myself in, in the England side and I've always had this drive I guess to, to try and be the best and um, try and compete at the top level and yeah I just loved those first few years of, of playing for England and, and then at the end of tour I'd go back, ram in a month of uni um, and then go back on tour and, and train and stuff. It's very different sort of lifestyle to it to what it is now. I don't think I'll be able to get all those uni uh, months in. I think I struggled, but um, yeah, I loved it. It was, it was really good fun. I just loved the touring life and loved being around a cricket team and representing my country. What did you actually study at uni? Uh, I did biomedical science. The only time it's come in handy is when I had hip surgery last year. I knew what the surgery <laughs> was on about uh, before then. Um, yeah, I haven't used it at all. Is it a, a post-cricket desire to use it? Or, no, most of it's fallen out of my brain, to be okay. honest. Yeah. No, you, use it or lose it, they say. Well, it's gone. Hopefully uh, something comes back a little bit later post-cricket. But let's go back to that England debut, 2010. You actually opened the batting. Um, and, yeah, started your career as an opener. Scored 49 in the first innings for England, just shy of that 50. I don't know if you remember that. but Yeah, I do. Caught me off. Oh, oh no, I was going for the glorious shot. We were playing at um, Bandra Complex in Mumbai uh, and the scoreboard was like proper old school, didn't even have what the batters were on, so I didn't mention oh, I was on 49. Um, but it was so, like, I remember it being so hot and so polluted and I was a little bit chunky back then because I just had a first term at university and I enjoyed my, my first term at Freshers for sure. And I remember breathing in and just like my lungs were burning just through the, the um, air quality and stuff. It was a bit of a shock to the system just kid from Devon going out to Mumbai and, and making um, making your debut but yes yeah, something you, you dream about as a kid and playing for your country and um, despite no one really being there to watch very different to what it is these days um, I absolutely loved it. Uh, do you remember the first moment you got the phone call that you were called up to the, the England squad? I do um, so I was actually at Lords so I was playing for Cardiff University, I was playing like an indoor competition, um, it's just a bit of a jolly really. Like indoor cricket? Indoor cricket, yeah. Um, and, but not like the indoor cricket that's like, you play internationally, it's like with proper pads and stuff. But anyway, um, basically someone went on the town, I could, could have an right, please come to a reception. I was like, oh, my car's in the wrong place, or someone's banged into it or something. And then I had a note saying, oh, you need to ring um, Claire Connor. Oh God, it's a big, big dog, what, what's happened? Uh, and I spoke to Claire and yeah, she said, um, we need you to fly out to India. Sarah Taylor's got injured, uh, can you get on a plane tomorrow? So I was like, oh, I'm not even going home. I had to rush back to Cardiff, um, pack all my bags, get back to London, uh, jump on a plane. Um, and yeah, it's first time playing cricket abroad. Uh, we don't, didn't kind of get the build up that you get as a youngster these days, the, the sort of age trips. And, uh, batting bowling camps, um, so I was sort of thrust into international cricket. I didn't even know too many of the girls actually. I played against a few of them. I knew Danny Wyatt, Danny Hazel, um, Richard Well, because I played a bit with them. Um, but yeah, I was just kind of thrown into it and um, had to sink or swim, I guess. Well, you've done all right. You've definitely done a, a bit of swimming in that case and, and created a pretty successful career so far. And you mentioned Danny Wyatt and, and she came on the podcast. Um, she joined Maitland Brown. I think during the hundreds, so post the Ashes series, and I'd love to talk a little bit about that Ashes series. Both Danny and Belly sort of spoke about the impact of the, the new coach bringing the enjoyment and fun um, to you guys, enjoying the experience of taking part in, in a home Ashes series. Obviously, you did have success against the Aussies, whether that meant not retaining the Ashes. Um, it was a, a series that everyone saw as excitement and um, this new sort of way that Test cricket is even played. Do you? 
Can you pinpoint sort of a moment where this success has come and then eventuated in pretty much a, a pretty exciting Ashes series? Oh, the Ashes. Um, yeah, it was my fun to play. It was so cool. Um, just the, the crowds, the, um, the excitement of buzz around the country, I think, was, was really mental to play it on. I think we kind of realised that that was going to be the case leading up to it. But I think going into it, we've, we've been on, what I said, we've been on the, the wrong side of a few pretty abysmal Ashes tours and, and pretty tough ones. Um, and we certainly wanted to do this one a little bit different. The, the Australian team has obviously been so successful, best in the world for a very long time and, and very hard to beat. So we wanted to be the disruptors a little bit, do things a little bit differently, um, like sort of tap into that kind of underdog disruptor role um, and really taking the attacks of them, I think, because I think that's when previously we'd, we'd had success against them was when we, we'd taken them on. Um, and obviously a side that you have to keep going at because they, they keep coming back as well. But yeah, it was, it was just a, a brilliant, um, brilliant series, I, I think. And, and that test match being five days, it's something I've pushed for for a long time personally. Um, despite losing it, I think it was a brilliant test match. And I absolutely love playing test cricket and uh, to see the crowd there and really get behind it. I think the last few test matches we've played, it's, it's been a bit dead and it's felt a little bit... Um, behind T20 cricket because you just don't get that buzz but I just think it's the, the best format of the game to play and when you're successful you just get the the most rewarding feeling because you you know you have to graft pretty hard to get it. How obviously the the last Ashes series was here in Australia the test match in Canberra the the four day the last delivery or the the hype and excitement that came with that test match and then obviously the five days got announced you could start building into an Ashes series knowing you were going to get this five day test match also at the start of the series, was that an exciting aspect to be able to work your squad to start with that test match? Yeah, it was. It, we actually it didn't work out that way, but we actually targeted the test match as a, a really good um, way for us to, to win the Ashes, basically. Because obviously the, the points that, that it gives you and, and being at the start of the series, we knew we could really focus and hone in on that um, and be as, as prepped as we could. So we had a lot of um, three-day games, we did a lot of prep, uh, Red Bull prep going into it obviously using a, a Duke's Red Ball as well it's, it's very different to a Kookaburra so um, we did a huge amount of preparation for that um, obviously that test match in Canberra is still oh, it, was, it was an awesome test match to play in as well but the, the way that, that we kind of ended up drawing it it really felt like a loss for us that kind of broke not broke us but I think looking back it, it really took a lot out of us as a side not being able to get over the line in that test match being in a in a brilliant position um, to obviously win the game and, and then going down to to the final wicket and, and ending how it did um, in that crazy last hour. Um, yeah, I was, was desperate to, to do well in this test and obviously um, it didn't quite work out with strain into one it, but I think the way we played it, we always set out to, to kind of win it. And, um, I think Australia played brilliantly as well. It was a, a pretty... Um, Decent place to play the test as well, Trent Bridge, iconic ground. I'm actually the only ground in England I've never played at, so that was just a cool experience just to to kind of tick that one off and um, be there in, in such an iconic, historic historic venue. Um, and I think with the five days as well, it, it just meant you didn't have to force the game. You kind of could let it play out because previous Ashes tests, it's, it's been four days and someone has to make a declaration and, and you have to, to kind of try and push the game forward. Um, Whereas this, it really felt like it was a way to, to get a result organically. Um, and yeah, I think it was a really good test match to be involved in, obviously. 
despite being on the losing side. Do you reckon now world cricket, not just the Aussies and the, the Poms, are now set up there are other nations to sort of look at how they want to go about playing test cricket. Obviously, there's a few more on the calendar now. We've seen South Africa and England both take... Um, sorry, South Africa and India both take part in test matches. Uh, have you got one coming up? Yeah, so after the big bash, go straight to India. Uh, and we've got a four-day test just for Christmas. So, yeah, really pumped to do that. It's a, a really tough place to, to go and play cricket and play the test match there. It's, it's going to be really hard work. Um, I'm sure we're going to get uh, probably a, a bit of a Bunsen burner out there. Um, it's going to be hard, it's going to be hard work, um, you're going to probably have to graph, so yeah, super excited, it's one of those to tick off the cricket bucket list, um, playing the test match in India. Yeah, it'll be some dirty whites out there, yeah, so day, I imagine, will, um, but in terms of how amazing it is, the opportunity now we have as these sort of elite sports person, unfortunately the nature is professional sport, is a tricky battle at times, obviously injuries, setbacks, um, you spoke about your hip injury, that meant you couldn't come out and um, Don the lime green again last year, but also met missing the com games, um, which was a massive thing also at home. How did you sort of deal with that setback, especially with the bad timing? Yeah, it was tough. It, it was um, playing against South Africa. I hadn't had anything, any issues with my hip at all. I went to dive for a ball and, and then just, all oh, that, that feels a bit strange, batted later that match and knew something was wrong. Went for a scan straight away and, and the doc said, yeah, there's like something going on with the cart that's not too sure, but we'll have an injection and it should be should be right for the Com games. And had the injection, felt pretty good. And then a week later, I was in absolute agony and I couldn't walk, ended up on crutches. By this point, we were in the um, the hotel for the Commonwealth Games. So yeah, like you, you rock up at the the Commonwealth Games and we had the opening ceremony. You've got all these amazing athletes around you, and we were doing a lap of the stadium, which is awesome. I was really glad I went. But I was kind of limping around thinking, God, like all these people are in the, the sort of peak condition of, of their uh, sporting careers and here I am sort of limping around and um, still hopeful that I'm going to play, obviously. Um, but yeah, I knew I was, I was in a little bit of trouble and just the, being in constant pain is just not a particularly nice feeling also when you're, you're trying to get on the pitch as well. Um, like Catherine Bradley who's in the team is someone who's gone through a lot of back issues and back surgeries. She kind of knew what I was going through and, and how it can like kind of just make you, it, it just consumed by every minute of your day when you're just in pain like that. And obviously trying to be in a place where I'm going to get on the pitch, but also trying to support the girls and, and trying to uh, give as much to the group as I can. And um, I had a choice once I knew that I wasn't going to play, whether I, I went home um, or I stayed around and, and tried to, to have as much value. So I decided to stay around and, and kind of soak in the Commonwealth Games, which is pretty cool. It was good to be involved, um, but obviously watching and, and not being help, able to help all the girls on the pitch, um, yeah, that was quite tough. And, and I know it was, it was quite a, a tough um, tournament um, for a lot of the girls finishing up. Uh, and I found it, found it really tough and obviously t took that break a little bit later on. Um, but yeah, th th there's been a lot of times where you, you kind of go through tough, tough moments like that. And obviously having the surgery and coming back, um, it's, it's been really nice to to actually have that time away as well. Like you kind of always on this cricket travel where you're going from tour to, to training to another country to somewhere else. So actually I try to use that break as a chance to do a lot of things that I'm not able to do when I do play cricket. So I actually really enjoyed the break and came back really fresh after it. Yeah, I think everyone comes back from an injury one of two ways. It's either they've smashed their rehab and come back a little bit um, sort of fatigue still in, a, in an aspect of how they've done it or they, they understand it's a really good chance to have a break, have a, 
an aspect outside of cricket, which is also exciting in terms of being able to be at home for a bit of time. All these different aspects and, yeah, these setbacks come thick and fast sometimes. So happy to see you back on the pitch. And after the Com Games, obviously, um, the 100 is sort of something that's happening and, and blowing up within England at the moment. Uh, I feel like you would have been uh, well in well in charge of, of part of the process in terms of how the, the 100 came about and the excitement it brought to definitely England cricket. But have you sort of seen, is this the third uh, yeah. yeah, so have you seen sort of now the benefits for the young talent and, and depth of English cricket coming through? But oh, lovely. Yeah, I love the 100. It's absolutely awesome. Um, when I first heard the concept, I was a bit sceptical, I'll be honest. Um, but kind of seeing it come to life in that first year, actually starting a men's competition and a women's competition at the same time, and it actually came about by accident, the double-header model, because we originally were going to play at outgrounds for the women's matches. But just seeing the, the double-header model and how just people loved it, just people came in, like, we're playing domestic cricket suddenly in front of an average of, like, 15,000 people, which is, is pretty cool. Um, and it's just, like, really fun. Like, it's a really cool competition. Like, loads of kids come. The crowds are really good. There's a DJ around, um, which is, is kind of fun. Um, bands play during the interval. Uh, so there's a big... Uh, my other love is music as well, so having that kind of link with music is, is a really nice thing to see. And it's just been a real platform for some of the younger players, like Alice Capsey in the first year. Uh, my side was on the other side of her, working a 15 first game at Lords um, as a 16-year-old. And just having that platform for the younger players to be able to do that and be able to impress. Know this on telly, know it's under pressure, know it's against some of the best players in the world. Gives a real grounding for them to then step up to international cricket and it's been a real theme actually in the 100 that the younger players um, stand up and emerge and you kind of know if they can deal with that pressure and um, level of the 100 that they're going to find that international step up a bit easier. Yeah, it's massive in terms of, you actually spoke about that accident in terms of COVID um, being a blessing that you both played at um, these major sort of um, stadium venues and, and these huge crowds. but. It could have been an easy decision the next year to go back to the original plan, having you on those outer grounds. Do you sort of thank um, England Cricket and, and the 100 for being able to trust and see what you're able to create and hold on to that space? And, and do you think it has um, sort of considered what we could take from the WBBL and learn from how that's impacted the 100? I think they just couldn't go back. It was such a success. and. Like hundreds actually really divisive in the men's game back home. There's the sort of people that really don't like it and people that love it. So actually the women's game was the, the biggest success, I think, that came out of the hundred because it opened it up to a different audience and it just got so many more people behind it. Um, so I don't think there was an option to go back, to be honest. And um, it's just grown from there. And, and actually now after the three years, it feels a lot more like um, you're at one club, so I care to London spirit. I didn't play obviously last year with the injury, um, but I've been there for three years, and um, you feel like you're part of one one club, and it, it really does start to feel like it's moving towards an equal platform, and um, the, the just the reach reach of it is is pretty awesome. The, the amount of people that just talk about it, like my mates that don't really watch cricket, don't know a huge amount about cricket, and um, they they love it. They love the the fun factor of it, um, the excitement, the the noise and stuff. And I think now it's really hard to see how actually we would go back to, to separate. It might happen in the future. 
I actually think the 100 was a big part of changing like perceptions of the ECB, thinking, wow, this is what really works. And then that led to the marketing of how the Ashes was this summer. So the dual campaign, Ashes to Ashes. So it was uh, both the men's and the women's um, Ashes were advertised side by side. And that actually created the, the huge crowd, the, the sellouts that we had, uh, the real buzz around. And that series was, was probably the mindset that changed from the 100. So yeah, it's pretty cool, obviously, the WBBL chose to, to go separate um, from the men's and, and there's benefits to both but it just really works very well back in the UK. Speaking of WBBL, as I said a little bit earlier, we're halfway, not even halfway, but four games into our campaign. Um, we've seen a bit of success to sort of bring that, that calming and, and positive impact on this group after probably the, the little success we've had over the last two years um, through some different circumstances. How did you sort of feel coming back into this group and, and wanting to bring that aspect of success that we saw last time here in Lime Green. Yeah, I was really excited to, to play in the Big Bash again. Obviously, I haven't played in it for two years and the last one was in the Hub, which was, was a very different experience. So I was really excited to come back to Australia, this place I love, I love, love Sydney and just having the chance to be there for a couple of months. Um, and I wanted to see how the competitions progressed because world cricket has just changed so much, I think. Um, the landscape is so different now, there's so much more cricket, uh, so many more opportunities internationally and, and domestically in franchise competitions. So, um, yeah, just wanted to be involved in it to, to see how things have changed as well. And, and obviously coming back into the group, um, like I said earlier, it's my first time captain in a franchise competition uh, for a long time since WBBL2 for the Hurricanes. So, um, yeah, it was really nice that I know the group because sometimes it's quite hard if you, you just sort of fly in and you just right, you've got a captain, you've got to get in, in a couple of days. Um, but knowing the players and, and knowing um, the experience that there is in the group and, and the know-how um, well, was a really nice thing to, to come in and how I work as a captain, I like to get to know the players and, and how I can, can best help them on the pitch and, and what's the best way that I can communicate to get the best out of them. So knowing um, the girls at least a little bit, um, having played two years ago was, was really helpful. Um, so yeah, so it's a long old season, 14 games is, is long. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's always a really good competition. The standard of cricket school is very high. Yeah, we were lucky to have you in WBBL6. Obviously that hub scenario, which uh, is unheard of beforehand, but we, we created history and, and won the title within the hub and nobody else would ever say they, they won a title within a hub, but you enjoyed it. You got around the young kids. You had a bit of fun, a bit of a prankster. Uh, well, I got Phoebe literally got me back the most. She knit my mattress one night and was putting all sorts of stuff outside of our room. But, um, yeah, you had to make your own fun in the hub, didn't you? There wasn't a huge amount to do. Um, I think we couldn't even get takeaway coffees at the start, could we? No, we couldn't even go for a walk. No, and eight teams in one hotel um, was, was pretty intense. What the, the lunchroom was pretty intense going down. And um, trying to find your teammates or someone you know um, was quite strange. But, um, yeah, really good memories. Like, it was obviously pretty awesome to, to win the Big Bash. We had a really good season. I felt, felt like we... We had a group that jailed and just knew their roles really well. Um, and yeah, hopefully we, we can bring some more success to Sydney Valley this year. That's the plan. And you, you said a little bit before, it's a, a long time away for you at the moment, um, heading to India post this as well. Time in Sydney, you obviously love um, the place, like I said before. How do you spend your time, your downtime on tour? Uh, well, my partner, Tim, he's out here at the moment, which is really nice. Um, I actually went to a few vineyards on the peninsula um, yesterday, which was, was good fun. Uh, I just, I like exploring, so going, going out for walks, um, seeing different places. I love food, which um, 
is is really good in Australia. So you get to explore different places and, and go into different things. Uh, and I try I try not to watch too many of the other games, but I do get drawn into. It. I do love watching cricket, but there's obviously like one or two games every day. So if you, you watch every game, you, you kind of your brain goes a bit mushy. So I try and get away from that as much as I can by doing different stuff. Last one, and I was I was just about to ask you, do you think standing out as a, a team to beat or players to watch from your spe- from your perspective, from what you've watched though, uh, what do you, you think the team to beat is? Oh, good question. Uh, there's probably two that are sticking out at the moment. The Heat look pretty strong. Um, they can have an off day though, so we'll, we'll see when we play them later in the comp. And the strikers obviously defending champions, but it feels really open. I feel like every team can beat everyone on the day, so it's it's one of those where you've got to be really switched on. And it's such a quick turnaround, like you fly in, you're playing, going somewhere else, you're playing back-to-back games. So it's kind of who sort of gains the momentum through the competition. I think it's going to be really important. Obviously, Yellows wants to be in that top four, but always in these competitions, it's, it's how you you go into form leading into those finals if you do make it. It's really important. Well, thank you for joining She's in the Game. We have loved being able to get some different perspectives. We've had a few pommies on before as well. So uh, we do we do like you. We do love you coming over to the WBBL. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you for joining the podcast and, and good luck for the rest of the season in Lime Green. Thanks, HD. Let's recap. As the finals race heats up, let's take a look back at WBBL 09 so far. It all got underway back on the 19th of October where the Sixers took on the Stars under lights at North Sydney Oval and the game went right down to the wire. The Stars came out on top, but it was what we expected, a game that was close, exciting, thrilling and what we love about WBBL. Grace Harris then stole the show with a record-breaking 136 not out of 59 deliveries with 12 fours, 11 maximums and the highest score ever in the WBBL. She batted the whole way through the innings and one moment that we'll never forget. Stuff it. I'll just hit it. Bat breaks. Ball goes flying over the rope once again. It's what we love about Grace Harris. The Thunder then won their first game of the season in the Sydney Smash against the Sixers and started to make waves in the competition. I'm not saying that just because I'm sitting here in a Thunder shirt, but the attention moved very quickly to Adelaide where last year's champions, the Strikers, bowled out a strong Melbourne Stars for a record low of 29. Yikes. The season started to kick off. Sides started to hit the road for sometimes a week at a time and show how they wanted to play their cricket. We saw a top four start to spread and the Adelaide Strikers, Perth Scorchers, Brisbane Heat and Sydney Thunder all started to add wins to the board. The Perth Scorchers made headlines as they announced the signing of English superstar Nat Siver Brunt to come in for the back end of the tournament. We saw young talent absolutely take over WBBL in the start of the competition. We saw Ainsworth swinging it both ways, Millie Illingworth bowling absolute heat. We saw Talia Wilson find gaps we didn't know she could. Charlie not turn the ball around corners and hit bombs. We saw Maddie Dark lap for fun at the Wacker and we saw an absolute screamer from Kate Pelly. These stars are unearthed every year and we love seeing the talent coming through Australian cricket. The Golden Bat this year has actually done a little bit of jumping around. Uh, It started in the hands of Grace Harris after her record 136. We saw it quickly in the hands of Meg Lanning. We saw Katie Mack at the start of the tournament pile on the runs. We saw Sophie Devine come into her own at number four. We saw Chamari Adipadu absolutely sending oppositions over the ropes and gaining the Golden Cap for a little bit. But... It's back in the hands of Beth Mooney. She's way out in front and 
I just got to say, once you come on the podcast, all you do is score runs because uh, we released the podcast on Saturday and she scored 100 against the Sydney Thunder the day after. So we might need to be careful of when we release our episodes. Now, the golden arm. Not so much jumping this season. We saw it in the familiar hands of Ashley Gardner at the start of the season, taking crucial wickets at crucial times, whether it's the power surge or at the death. We saw her teammate, Lauren Cheadle, doing the same, taking wickets early, swinging the ball. Very exciting. We saw two Melbourne Stars players both have the golden arm at differing times. Sophie Day taking bags of wickets. Annabelle Sutherland being consistent. But it now sits in the hands of Amy Edgar from the Perth Scorchers. No super overs just yet in this year's WBBL. We were close over at the Wacker when we saw the Scorchers take on the Strikers and a last ball win after a Danny Gibson boundary. Both Melbourne sides have struggled throughout this WBBL, struggling to get wins on the board, the batting unit not coming together. It's been tough to watch sometimes for Melbourne fans, but they've got stars to play with and we can't wait to see the likes of Meg Lanning, Hayley Matthews, Tammy Beaumont, Annabelle Sutherland start to fire in the back end of this competition. Speaking of Meg Lanning, she announced her retirement from international cricket this WBBL. It was a surprise to most, but we do love the fact that we've been able to see Meg Lanning in Australian colours for up to 13 years and at the helm of the Australian leadership team for a very long time. The most successful to ever captain an Australian team and one that nobody will ever forget. We thank you, Meg, for your contribution and Australian cricket is in a better place now. Of course, there are some moments within WBBL that remind everyone at home that we are just human. Uh, Sophie Reid was swooped running to actually feel the ball, um, which is uh, fun and a flashback from uh, the Blacktown games last year where my Sydney Thunder teammates were swooped. Uh, we had Nicole Fulton's technique of throwing snakes for our teammates to catch in the dugout criticised. Uh, we had a fire exchange between Sophie Devine and Harman Preet Call, which uh, did create some good entertainment for everyone sitting at home. And we also had some streakers finally in the WBBL, not condoning, but also a bit of entertainment and people seeing WBBL as the place to be in streaks. So, uh, yeah, Fiery Radelaide had some streakers across Karen Rolton Oval and yeah, I did spot Maddie Penner going to put a shoulder in. So um, Sam Kerr-esque in, in terms of looking after those streakers. The Aussie squad for India was also recently released, which saw something we've all been waiting for. Lauren Cheadle back in the green and gold. She didn't think it would happen, but everybody wanted it to happen. She's more particularly in the whites going over for the test match, but no real surprises within that squad. They're going over to Mumbai for Christmas and the new year. We're super excited to see how this Aussie team goes over in India. To finish us off, there's a lot of action still to come in this WBBL as the finals race heats up. Five sides still in contention for the finals. The Strikers, Scorchers, Heat, Sixers and the Thunder are all fighting for those finals places. The most exciting part may be to come though with the stadium series about to kick off. Games at Adelaide Oval, the SCG and the MCG, all double headers. We're super excited for the fact that WBBL is heading back to the stadiums and we can't wait to see you all there.